0: It's called The Revelation. It's not revelations. It's not a series of kind of different sort of events. It's one big revelation that was given to John. Uh, We might think it's a bit scary. It's not really. It's a book which is for our time. It tells us a lot about where we're at. And we're going to be doing it not every week, but every few weeks we're going to continue through the book of the Revelation until we come to an end. So, um... I'm going to begin with a prayer. Father, uh, the book of Revelation says just that. It's a revelation. It's a revealing, an unveiling of the truth. And I pray that you would powerfully unveil your truth to us today, that we would understand things that are not understandable and that we would know deeply of uh, your plans, of your surety and all that you've done for us through Jesus, your son. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm just going to begin uh, from chapter one. We've got that up there. Yes. um, And uh, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what soon must take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written, because the time is near. Now, the Revelation, as you know, is uh, full of all types of imagery, and sometimes we might find that a bit scary, but that's okay. Um, it's especially good for people who like watching Nani of movies and Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, uh, because it has a lot of imagery, and it all means something, but uh, a lot of things stand behind the meaning. When you get a great dragon, it doesn't mean there's going to be one day a great dragon. It's talking about the devil. Uh, but it's an imagery uh, and so on for him. So I hope that uh, you'll see that today there's not tons of that imagery, but it builds up as you go. Okay. So he starts off with the revelation of Jesus Christ, which means this is a revealing of who Jesus is, Uh, of his kingship over everything and an angel brings this truth to John uh, and John is to give it to us and it says what will happen soon and really in in the scheme of things a lot of what's happening in Revelation is working out right now and has been for the last couple thousand years and will continue to and we'll see that as we go. The word Revelation is a Greek word which is Apocalypses. apocalypse. That's where you get apocalyptic. Um, when someone talks about the apocalypse, they're generally talking about something bad at the end of time. Well, that's kind of where the word comes from. But really, the word apocalypse means an unveiling of a spiritual truth, a showing of what is really there. Okay. Now, understand this. You can't know Jesus without God bringing a revelation. That's why I started. you notice i prayed for a revelation? You, you can't, you know, science, if you want to study plants, you go out and study them. Oh, sorry, I'm in Queensland. Plants. If you want to study plants, um, you go out and study them and you find that information, right? But, um, and and science will tell you that and you might be able to work some things out but the knowledge of Jesus Christ comes to us as God reveals it. So we pray that God will reveal his truth to us. Uh, without that revelation, we can't really know. And um, uh, Paul prayed this in Galatians 1. When, but when God was who set me apart from my mother's womb has called me by grace, he was pleased to reveal his son in me that I might preach to the Gentiles. In other words, God revealed his son To Paul and then to others. Okay? And also, uh, a number of times in the Bible, just so you know, the second coming is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. He will be revealed to all. One day. That will happen. Hopefully soon. So the angel tells John these things. And John is kind of, he's not actually watching the Lord of Rings on a TV screen. He is in the middle of it the dragons and everything's happening around him. And you'll see that as we go on in weeks to come. But uh, it's pretty intense for him and at times he gets really involved in it and he's crying and he's on his knees and different things happen. Okay. So, um, John wrote this, just also to give you understanding, uh, about 95 AD, which means he is a, he's over 90. Oh, he isn't... He's an old man. I don't know if anyone here's over ninety. One, we do have one. Yep, that sprightly young young lady over to the left. Um, um, she uh, over ninety. So he's he's an old man, and um, he is writing uh, to the people of God. And we'll talk about this more. You see, John, he is old now. He was one of the twelve disciples. Do you know that? right by now every other disciple is dead all the 11 others are all dead don't worry they didn't die natural nice deaths they were all put to death brutally for their faith they they'd actually died as martyrs and not only them but basically everybody we hear about in the new testament like luke or silas or barnabas you know all those people they've all been put to death for their faith too he's the last one living and uh, you're going to find out in a minute that he's not living a happy, free life. He's actually a, on a prison island. He's in prison for, also for his faith. And he's writing at a time where there's a new Roman uh, emperor called Domitian. I think that's how you say it. If, if not, that's how I say it. Um, and so that counts. And he had it started a brutal persecution of the saints. So he is killing Christians. All over the place. That's when this is written. Okay. Got to, isn't it amazing when you just stop and take that, because we're going to talk a little bit about the resurrection in a minute, that all of these disciples, all of these people who said they met the risen Jesus, Jesus who was killed and then rose from the dead, all of these men, right, they went to their deaths saying Jesus was raised from the dead. Does that tell you something? Like if if I was making up a story about someone being raised from the dead and then someone come to me and put a gun at my head and said, did he really? Yeah. Right. If I was making up a story, that's when I'd say, nah. And if that's when, even if I did happen and I was a bit worried about my future, I would also say, nah. All of these went to their deaths saying, Jesus crucified, raised from the dead. Isn't that incredible? Okay. I think I went off on a tangent there. It's going to be dangerous. Okay. So this is at a time when the church is being greatly persecuted. Christians are being killed. You see, now understand, this is a revelation. It's not coming to us from John. It's coming to us from God. So what does God want to tell us? He wants to say... Hey, you people who are going through a terrible time. I've got important news for you. Okay, and this important news is this. This is the sorry, if I could sum up the whole revelation in one sentence, it is Jesus has victory over everything and everyone and it's going to happen. That's good, isn't it? Jesus wins. That's pretty good. Now you'd have to read the book. Well, that's really not it. That's like, say you're watching the Lord of Rings and I say, by the way, before you start, the good guys win at the end. You'll go, okay, I don't need to watch it now. No, no, you'll still enjoy it. Okay, Jesus will have victory over the powers of darkness. And so this vision says, stick with Jesus, stay faithful to him, remain fast with him because this world will face lots of apocalyptic events. You're seeing today, don't you? We can hide from it. Do you know what's happening in Europe? has got nothing to do with us except to make some of our prices go up. But no. no, apocalyptic events have been happening for, well, thousands of years. Terrible events. Understand this. The Revelation says these are all within God's ultimate p- plan and purpose and history for the world. Okay. And there is going to be a final defeat. All evil will be chucked away as it is into a fiery pit forever. It's gone. And that will happen all through the victory of Jesus in his death on the cross and his resurrection. Okay. Righto. So uh, John is this mouthpiece. He is presenting a prophet as just someone who speaks the message given. And he is speaking... Of everything he saw, the testimony of the Word of God and of Jesus Christ. So, this here message has authority. It's coming from the Holy Spirit, and he's going to tell us everything he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, what is written, because the time is near. There is a blessing in knowing this. This is Something which will keep us safe. This is not a message. You know, some people study the revelation and go, I wonder how, you know, Hitler fits into that, and I wonder how, blah, blah, blah. They study it for information. It's not talking about that. This is saying, this is something to be believed, and if you believe the truth of it, you will be blessed. Okay. Righto. John, he says he's speaking to seven churches in the province of Asia, but he also is speaking to all churches as well, because there was a lot more churches around than that. But these are seven churches in the area where he he did a lot of his business. And he says, Grace and peace to you from him who is and was and is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. Okay. Grace to you, which is undeserved favour. Nobody deserved to be saved by God, did they? We've all turned away. We've all sinned. And he saved us because he is gracious. And peace, security and joy comes from God the Father who, who was and is and is to come. In other words, he's always been and he always will be. And the sevenfold spirit. Now we're starting to get a bit of this. You know, seven in the Bible, particularly in the Revelation, is a perfect number. And the sevenfold spirit is just talking about the perfect Holy Spirit. That, that, that's, that's basically what it means. And this is coming, uh, who, who's on the throne. He has authority over all. And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the firstborn over the dead. He was raised from the dead. He now has full authority and kingship over everything and everyone. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. By his blood, he was killed. That means his blood was shed, which means he bled out and he died. By his blood, by his death, he has forgiven our sins. And he has brought us freedom. Freedom that we long for in this life. Everybody feels to some degree enslaved in this life. True? Yep. We we have a desire to be set free. Well, you see, what the, this world is full of is looking at the symptoms and not the problem. What is the problem in Europe at the moment? We would say Vladimir Putin, correct? What is the problem with... The climate is warming, we can keep it below two degrees, no problem. What is the problem with domestic violence in this world? Well, if we can have an education process, it's these blokes who have beaten their wives. Um, there, there is endless amount of issues, uh, including cancer as a problem, so we need cancer research. Or, or uh, you know, to... We have an endless amount of problems, but we are always dealing with the surface level and not the deep problem. No one questions, where did that evil that wants to invade another country come from? Where did that evil that wants to beat somebody else or kill somebody else or steal, where does it come from? And the answer is it comes from the human heart. It's in all of us. But it's much better to look down on other people who are much worse than us, isn't it? But we have this residing evil in our hearts. That is the heart of the problem. It's not all these surface issues. Uh, Of course, with the cancer, we have this problem which is called death. We don't want to talk about that. Death is too scary, but we'll talk about it more in a minute. But you see, what the issues are of the human heart is dealt with by the forgiveness of sins through the death of Jesus. So when he says he has freed us from our sins by his blood, it's not talking about, oh yeah, like we've got these problems in our life, we need some money and we need a good place to live and we have some sins. It's saying sin is the heart of the problem. And he's dealt with the heart of the problem so that you can have true freedom. Is that making sense? He's gone deep. It's not a small point. And he has made us so he's lifted us, sinners deserving of death to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. We are a royal priesthood. You don't get Second-rate Christians. All people are priests. All Christians are even. You don't have a pastor like me who's better than you, who's any closer to God. In fact, probably the opposite. We are all in the same boat. There is one mediator between God and us, and it ain't some priest there with a pointy hat. It is Jesus Christ, and we all stand before God under Him. There's no go betweens. There's no second rate. Does that make sense? Royal priesthood. um, And all glory belongs to him. It says, look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, when he says come with the clouds, the clouds in the Old Testament is this glory cloud, which represents the presence of God. So, as Jesus was taken up from the earth, he was hidden by a glory cloud. He's hidden by a cloud, and he'll return that way. That makes sense. And every eye will see him when he is revealed. There's not going to be people sitting in another country somewhere and go, "Oh, what's that on the news?" Every eye will see him. He will be finally revealed. Even those who pierced him, in other words, well, actually, in one sense, we all crucified him with our sins. But some will, uh, some will know that they've done wrong and will know that he's the Lord and Saviour. And others will refuse to obey him and they will remain under his judgment forever. Yes and amen to that. What To what? To that judgment. Yes and Amen. This is fitting. It is right. It's appropriate. I am the Alpha and Omega. That's like saying I'm the A and the Z. Look at your alphabet. I'm the start and the finish and everything in between. And I am the Almighty who rules over all things, says God. Now, I, John, your brother and companion in suffering. So he's a companion in suffering. He's called, John's saying he's equal with us. In the suffering and the kingdom, and patient endurance that is as in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus. This is a, an island in the Mediterranean Sea. It's about 10 kilometres by 15 kilometres. It's sort of a crescent-shaped island. Um, and in the Roman times, a prison island. I was on, on the Lord's day. I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said write on the scroll which you see and send it to the churches of blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's seven churches for people who don't know. John's saying, I'm with you in the sufferings. These sufferings are in Jesus. They're part of God's plan because in this life we are in a battle. Do you understand that? All of our life is a battle. And uh, he says... uh, he says he's your our brother, John, so he's like us, and he's in prison. And probably it was an island where you served out hard labour in the quarries. You've seen those movies where you're smashing rocks. Pretty hard to do when you're over 90, I'd say. But anyway, we'll put you to work, Lynette. Um, and it says he was on the island of Patmos because of the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. In other words, why is he in prison? For being a Christian. For, for preaching Christ and he's on the Lord's day which is a Sunday um, and the Holy Spirit brings him this revelation okay and the voice sounded like a trumpet which is you know when God speaks in the Old Testament there's like it's called it's it's like I heard the words but it was like a trumpet blast have you ever had someone blast a trumpet in your ear yeah and, and it's it's almost a frightening loud confronting sound, yeah? And that's what the voice of God was like. And it was authoritative and um, it spoke. It's a, And the words of the prophecy. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I s- turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. I don't know if you can picture that. Picture a room with seven lampstands. Golden ones. Don't know how you picture them. Picture them. And among the lampstands, So someone was walking among the lampstands who was like a son of man, which in the Old Testament is referring to like an angel, a bright shining being, which is Jesus in this case. And he was dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. So he's dressed in a long robe. He has a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Now we're starting to get a bit of his picture language. Now we find out that in a while that the seven lampstands are actually seven churches. and Jesus is wandering around between the churches that he loves and he's speaking to them. So, uh, and he's, he's, he's both bringing them correction and encouragement. But so immediately we're getting the point, this is not uh, literal language. This is picture language. He's wearing a, a sash, which a sash is like a priest, except for a priest doesn't have a golden sash, but he's a perfect priest, so he does. He's, the white hair is a sign of deity. It's not just old age, because God never ages Anyway. And his eyes are like blazing fire. Can you imagine a penetrating discernment? A person who could look into your eyes and see everything in your heart. Yeah. Because you know what John's going to do in a minute? He's going to fall down. You don't want to look into these eyes, do you? This is frightening. His feet are like bronze glowing. In other words, that's like his strength and stability. Uh, his voice is like rushing waters. And we find out the stars that are in his hand are actually not stars. They're angels. We're going to find that out later. It's part of the language. Whenever you see a star in the book of Revelation, it's not talking about a star. It's talking about an angel. And so when you have a great star coming from the heavens and crashing to the earth, we're not going to... Some people are worried about a big meteorite crashing us one day. Yeah, sending us off with the dinosaurs or something. No, it's actually talking about the devil, a fallen angel, who who crashes to the earth. That's already happened, by the way. In his right hand, right, he holds these the stars and, and he'd walk. That that's the angels to each of the churches. The right hand is what you love most. The the most beloved possession you hold in your right hand. And the two edged sword, that's a weird picture of a sword coming out of someone's mouth. But you see, the word of God. Is, uh, is like a two-edged sword. When he brings his judgment, and I know I've said this so many times, but if you imagine you've got a lump of meat and you've got, a, you've got a sharp two-edged sword and you bring it down on that lump of meat, right? some ends up on the left and some ends up on the right, but nothing ends up in the middle. That's called judgment. Okay. And when God brings his judgment on us, nothing's left in the middle. He exposes and judges the human heart He said his face was like the brilliance of the sun, the shining of the sun, except the brilliance is actually the word dunamis, dynamite. It's talking about powerful energy. It's not just shining light. He's he's shining the glorious, pure holiness, which is terrifying if you are not holy. Do you understand this? You don't ever want to face God without being perfectly holy. How can you be perfectly holy? One way. Through Jesus Christ. When I saw him. John's had this vision of Jesus. I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. Put his right hand on me. What is that saying? My beloved. He said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. And I was dead. And now look. I am alive forever and ever And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Hades is like the grave. So John falls down like death, uh, like he's dead, sorry. And Jesus, do do you remember John? This is the same John who, it said when the Last Supper, he reclined against the breast of Jesus. He leaned against him. And now he falls down in terror. And Jesus puts his hand on him and says, No, my beloved. And it says, Jesus has the keys to death and Hades. I like doing this, but I haven't got many keys on my key ring. But this one's the car. Yep. When you got that key, you can get in your car. You unlock it, you start the car. Right. Jesus has got a key ring, and on it, he's got the keys to death and the grave. He's someone worth knowing, I'd say. Wouldn't you think so? He was raised from the dead, and he has the keys to death. What an encouragement for this because I know I get in trouble for saying this but we're all going to die one day. Is that negative? That's just fact. Get over it. okay? And all our lives we have seen others that we've loved die. Believers, Christians who have died. Some die young and some die older. That's how it goes. And we see throughout our lives persecutions and hardships and ultimately Jesus has a key ring which opens those doors. Do you get that? Really. It does us good to live our lives knowing that that's a fact. Okay? Or we can hide. Make out it's not going to happen. I'm going to live forever. Yay. But you're not. Oh, thank you, I'm not that's the truth okay? because you see the revelation here and what Jesus is saying it confronts our human glory when I say human glory I mean our self made human glory I'm going to be great right? because you see in life sometimes what we want to do is like people say keep it on the up and up in other words it's on the up and it's going to go up it's going to get better life's just wonderful and always getting better Well, if we were to be honest, at best it's the same and same. And quite a lot of the time it's on the worse and worse. Is that true? No? No one wants to agree with me? The reality is we are not always on the up and up. We are getting like The older you get, it gets harder to get out of bed. Old people here know what I mean. Is that true? Now we can fake it. And say it's all going good. But one day, that that very act of getting out of bed is going to be really, really hard. And then one day, it's not going to happen. That's not being negative. That's reality. True? Yep. And then one day, we'll die. And our life will sometimes be really fun and really good. And sometimes, it'll be really hard and horrible things will happen. That's life. Yep. And what does that do? It points us to the fact that this world is not all it is. And what the revelation does is it says, you know what? There is something greater which is veiled in this world. It's hidden. It's not going to be on the seven o'clock news tonight. right? They're not going to mention that Jesus is going to return someday. They're not going to say we're all going to die. There's something that's hidden, but there is an unveiling and it is a confronting unveiling. It's an it's a unveiling, a revelation of the way things really are. But that's not all. It's not just, no blah, blah, it's all going to be bad. There's a revelation of something very, very, very good, Jesus Christ. And if you're in him, you've got everything. Do you get this? At yeah. least one person should just go, yeah. Or even smile or say, yeah, that's cool. Because it is cool. This is the answer to the meaning of life, as people say. If you are in Christ Jesus, you will live forever. And death is not the end because he's got the keys to the door. Yep, he will let you out of that. Who will he let out of that? All who trust in him. This is good, isn't it? Therefore, he says, write down what you've seen, what will take place later as well. And the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand, and the seven gold lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. There's a mystery, but a mystery that's ununderstandable that will come to us and will be answered and will be shown. Now, this is the first chapter in the Revelation. It's a good chapter. Right? If you are, if you come to this thought of of difficulties and death and the future, and you are unsure and you are scared, and you and, and this brings up confronting stuff, then I would say this trust in Jesus Christ. Because He has forgiven your sins. When you trust in Him, you receive all the blessings of that peace with God. And that peaceful God with God is not just now, it is now but it's right through our lives and into eternity. That's forever with God. Yep. And if you don't, well, then all the judgments mentioned in the Bible will be yours. Okay. Our lives are a battle. That's the reality. They are a battle. And sin is a battle with us, isn't it? And we struggle with it. But we are worshipping a Saviour who has dealt with sin, has forgiven sin and was raised from the dead. And he will use his key ring for us. Okay. We are in an apocalyptic world, aren't we? There are great powers in action. There are great confrontations. There is good and evil. It's going on all the time because we live in a world of spiritual conflict. I'd encourage you, don't hide from that. Don't get bound up in your little worlds, in your building your little kingdoms and your temporary hopes and things that will pass away and we know darn well they'll pass away. Don't focus on them. Live in them, you've got to have them in life. But lift your eyes to the hidden kingdom which is the kingdom of God and the, and, and the things that he is doing in this world because they are everything. And when you look to Jesus, you will have what you need to face up to this world and nothing will be able to shake you because you see, what's the worst thing that could happen? Death. Jesus is Lord of that. Do you hear that? Isn't that good? So what's the worst that could happen then? Well, actually eternal death. But Jesus has brought an eternal forgiveness and a reconciliation with the Father. So what's the worst that could happen? If you don't believe. If you don't believe. Thank you very much, uh, Barb. You're right on. Okay. So for now, we, we'll actually be a few weeks before we come back to the Revelation. I'm going to encourage you to do this. Read it. Yep, and if there's stuff you're not understanding, hey, you can even send me a text and I'll make sure it's in the talks I do on it. But uh, for a start, we're going to have a couple of weeks on talking about different churches and then we're going to go straight to a vision of the throne room and it's going to be awesome. But um, for now, read it. Why I'd encourage you to read it is because it says you'll be blessed when you do. But you won't be blessed just through reading words. You'll be blessed when you believe it and when you obey it. Okay, I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you would bring to us the very revelation of who you are, of your love and grace shown to us through the cross of Jesus Christ, of the bloodshed for the forgiveness of sins. I pray that you would bring us a revelation of the resurrection of your son, of the new life that's in him. And Father, as we have... Uh, Worshiped a whole lot of things in our lives. We've put first many, many things which aren't you. We want to just uh, confess that as sin. Confess that we have treated other things as gods when you alone are God. And I pray that you would show us the truth of those things that separate us from you. The truth of those lies that we've worshipped. That we might worship you in spirit and truth through your son Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would teach us to be men and women who look to what you are doing in this world, look to your lordship and your kingship and not to our own puny little kingdoms. I pray pray that we would look to your will and obeying that and not to obeying our own pleasures and desires and our own small things. I pray that you would give us Strong hearts that find all their trust in Jesus, your son. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.